Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we are talking about how to negotiate with developers. In fact, Andrew, this is your favourite topic because we are talking about you today. That is my favourite topic. And, and I gave you that joke. You weren't supposed to tell them <laughs> that, Andrew. Now, of course, in yesterday's show, we talked about the fact that we were going to start to see deals, deals, deals in the market because the tide has started to turn. And you had actually mentioned, Andrew, that developers had started giving you a wee ring, 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 ready to do some deals oh, with investors. That. They're taking me out for lunch to discuss doing deals. They're paying the bill this time. They're paying the bill for once. Oh, likes a nice change. Now, what I want to talk about in today's show is how you're going about negotiating with developers, what they care about, and what are some things that you can negotiate with them. So why don't you kick us off with this, because we haven't talked about this since about episode 450. What do developers really care about when they are negotiating sales? Well, I guess you got to think for the motivation of a developer is they need to get the project sold and done. And a big part of it, the primary focus when they're calling me is they want to get their finance approved. Now, normally to get finance, if you're a developer, you need to have pre-sales and it might be as high as 100% or it could be as low as maybe 50% in some instances, unless you've got a whole lot of cash. But most developers, if they've got some cash, they spend on a boat or a jet and, and then they borrow more money. So realistically, they need to get X number of sales done and they probably want good, solid sales that are going to go through deposit paid in a reasonably quickish period of time. For what do you exa- mean by that? So let's say I've bought some land or I've signed up to buy some land as a developer and I've got my resource consent and my building consent and I've got a contract to build. Now, I then have to get X number of pre-sales before the bank will give me the money to start the project or often the build contract I won't sign until I've got my pre-sales. Now, if I put it out on the market and I get, say, six of the eight sold, and I've sold them at $600,000 and there's good margin in it, if that takes me six months to do, all of a sudden the price of building that has gone up and all of a sudden the margin squeezed in that $600,000, I need to get six thirty, but I've already pre-sold them, so I can't go back to the investors now or buyers now and say, you need to pay me more money unless there's price escalation clauses, but let's assume there's not. So you as a developer want to get them out of the door as quickly as possible to a reasonable price. You could always stage the releases so that you can increase the price, particularly in a big project, that's quite normal. So you might say, right, my first three are my pre-sales, they're gonna be six hundred thousand. My next two are gonna be the, you know, the nice to haves, and I'll sell them at six thirty. And then my last ones, I'm gonna hold on to those to the last minute because that's my profit, and I'm gonna sell those for six fifty. And I think the other thing just on that, the reason why a developer wants to go after good sales is when you're buying off the plans, you put a property under contract and you've got 10 days, 15 days to do due diligence, 15 days when the banks are really slow, but at the moment, 10 days is pretty standard and is pretty standard usually. You do not want to sign a contract with somebody who's just going to cancel that contract after 10 days. It's better to go under contract with somebody who you actually reasonably believe is going to confirm on that property. So that's why a developer doesn't want to just sign up people who are just going to not be serious about the property and cancel it. So that's why I think what's important to remember when you're negotiating with a developer is you want to position yourself as a good solid sale, somebody who's serious about the property so that you have then got a good chance to negotiate on other factors. And can you just speak now, what are some of the things you actually can negotiate with a developer? Well, look, my favourite one is price. Now, a lot of the time, the price is the price. So if a developer has something on online and it's 535 
that's probably what they're going to take. However, when I'm negotiating, for example, I might say, well, look, I want 10 of those for my investors. So I want that for 525. So potentially, you know, you, you can get that down if, if you're buying in bulk. Another thing that you might negotiate is how much deposit you have to put down. So you're probably not going to get this across the line for a lot of people right now. A lot of developer financiers are probably wanting a full 10% deposit when you go unconditional. And the reason for that is 10% gives enough protection that if the person doesn't settle, you can find another buyer. So if a buyer doesn't settle come settlement date when the build is complete, if the developer's got 10% deposit, it shouldn't take too long to find another buyer within 90% of the original sale price. So you probably won't get that at the moment, but sometimes, and I know actually I negotiated a discounted deposit for you, didn't we? I negotiated that myself, <laughs> thank you very I much. I actually said that knowing that you did it yourself and I saw your face go red with anger, <laughs> taking credit for your work as usual. Some of the other things, so maybe the specifications. So for example, when I'm negotiating again a bulk package from a developer, something that wouldn't be included, generally speaking, when you're buying off plans is curtains. So I'll make sure that we've always got curtains included at, at the same price. Clauses in the contract, that's probably my second favourite at the moment. So again, you know, companies like Edifice, who we've spoken about recently, because we're doing a lot more work with them, they've taken all of our commentary around escalation clauses and sunset clauses on board and gone and changed their clauses for all of our investors, which is great. One of the other things that I quite like is exclusivity. What do you mean by this? What's so, exclusivity? So again, if I'm negotiating packages on behalf of Opus Investors, what I'll do is I want to make sure that I have access to all 10 or all 20 of those projects. And now they might be bought by homeowners under Opus First Home or Opus Investors, but I want to make sure that I've got access to all of them. They're not just put on Trade Me. They're not put through other companies, investment companies or real estate agents. I want to know that I've got the first bite of the cherry. So again, because of the volume that we do, I can often get that exclusivity for, say, a month. Okay, so that one might not as much apply to people who are negotiating with developers on themselves, but certainly price, the deposit required, spec and clauses all could be negotiated. There are two other things that I know you're seeing out in the market at the moment that property investors should just be a wee bit careful about. So, yeah, cashbacks. I know we've done a podcast in the past about this. Just going to be a little bit wary about this because it's basically going down the road of hydrauliking. Well, cashbacks, did it exist in a hot market? Absolutely not. Just for our newer listeners, can you just explain what we mean? So basically, I'm buying a property for, say, a million dollars, but the developer is going to give me $20,000 at settlement because he wants to incentivize me to buy it. So again, the reason why these are a little bit grubby some of the time, and there's got to be a genuine reason for it. So we might get it because of our volume. But if you're buying it straight off a developer, you're really just paying 980 and banks don't like them for that reason. So an example of that might be that you're able to purchase with a lower deposit than would otherwise be the case. So essentially getting $10,000, $20,000 from the developer as part of your deposit. But it's a bit... Yeah, you'd struggle to get that past the bank nowadays. The other thing that I've seen, and I actually rang a competing company today just to have a chat about this, I saw them advertising properties with rental guarantees. Now, we haven't seen these for ages. So basically, this is where they will guarantee that you'll get $600 a week rent. Now, 
there's no guarantee in anything investment. So that's what I find really interesting. When I see the word guarantee, I think, oh, something doesn't smell right here. And so sure enough, in this instance, the competing company actually said, yeah, it's the developer. They're guaranteeing the rent. If you're getting a guaranteed rent from the developer, they're margining that into the sale price. Now, what do you mean by that? So let's say, for example, you're buying a property for six fifty and you've got a guaranteed rent of six hundred dollars a week. Now they might actually think, well, I can get four seventy dollars a week, but I'll just top up that by $130. So it looks like a good deal for a couple of years, and then they'll just charge you an extra fifteen thousand dollars to counteract the fact they might have to pay you out $130 a week. So it's almost like a compulsory insurance policy that's funded by the developer. I don't want to call it an insurance policy because it's not an insurance policy. This is basically just a trick to manipulate a product into looking like it's good when it's not good. It's putting lipstick on a pig. So let's change track for a minute and talk about what do you personally do? Let's say I'm a developer now and ring, 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 ring. What's the chat when you're trying to negotiate with a developer? Well, if it's a new developer to me, I want to know a little bit about them, first of all. So I want to know who they are, what they've done in the past, whether or not they've got any sinister past that I should know about. And look, there's plenty of times where maybe a developer's had a problem in the past. They've liquidated a company. They've gone bankrupt. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to be a good developer in the future, but obviously you need to take it under a microscope before you go and do a deal with them. I want to know what they're building, where it is. So a two-bedroom townhouse in Auckland, for example. I want to know where specifically in the suburb, where in the street. I want to know what sort of specs it's going to be. Yeah, but how are you going to negotiate it? No, I need to know all these things at first. Then if I'm going to negotiate, I want to know how quickly they need X number of units sold. So I'll say... Oh, so you lull them into a false sense yeah, of security. Yeah, get all my information. Okay, and what do you think they're worth? And they'll say, oh, it's 800000 Okay, cool. 800000 sounds about right. And have you got building consent and resource consent? Yep, we've got that and we've got a title. Great. So you settled the land. Okay, good. So I know there's a bit of urgency there. Oh, because I've settled the land. Yeah, yeah. And now so I, you're not just asking because you're a nice guy. No, I'm not a nice guy. I don't need to know that. And then uh, for any reason other than I'm going to put the squeeze on. Then I want to know, okay, well, how many have you sold so far? I've sold three. Okay, and how many do you need to pre-sell? Oh, I need to have sold 10. Okay, so you need to do seven. All right, well, what kind of deal can we do for those first seven to get them out the door? Oh, well, you know, maybe I could do them at 780. Okay, well, let's see if we can get you some offers at 760 and you throw in a couple of extra heat pumps. And the key thing to a good negotiation is to always ask for way more than you're ever going to get so that then you can go, oh, but I gave up on the extra heat pump for you. So, George, you need to do me a bit better price. (laughs) The extra heat pump that you just (laughs) asked for. That's terrible. What do you mean? All the investors benefit from this. You've benefited from this. You're making these out to make me look like a bad guy. <laughs> no, 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 because now you're, you're acting for mum and dad investors, so I appreciate that. And one thing that, because I was in the car with you the other day and I heard this, it was quite good, is you've started using the spreadsheet, the return, oh, yeah, the on, return investment on investment spreadsheet, yep. as an interesting tactic now that developers are a bit more willing to negotiate. How are you doing that? I always look at the return on investment and and I want to know that it's going to be a good deal for investors. And, and in fact, I know the person you're talking about, I said, look, it just doesn't work at this for a good investment. I can't recommend this to investors at the price you're putting on there. What I can do is if you want to lower the price to X, 
Like $35,000. $35,000, then I'll do it. And he said, oh, I'm losing 35,000 times X number. And I said, yeah, yeah, well, you haven't sold any. You're not losing anything. Right now you've got nothing. And this is a way of actually getting something. And basically at that stage it's to take it or leave it. If it's not a good investment for an investor, then we're not gonna we're not gonna take it on, we're not gonna recommend it to them. Actually, another good point that I'll just mention as well for a bit of industry insight is that after doing the ResiMax survey through NZ Property Investor magazine of what do property investors consider to be a good yield, oh, yeah. we've now started using that data to say, well, in order for this property to make sense to an investor, it needs a X percent yield, yep. say 4%. Well, this is below that, so we can't recommend it. If the rent is appraised at Y, you know, $500 a week, then this property can only be worth X. Yeah whatever $500 a week ends up being. Yeah, yeah. And that's such an important thing. I mean, I remember saying to a developer just last week, hey, look, at that price, it only appeals to less than 10% of the market because you fall into that 3% and under yield. So while yield's not everything, this isn't the right thing for the bulk of your investors. So it's not one for us. Now, let's just be really clear. That does not mean that you necessarily are able to get everything you're always asking for. You never get everything you ask for. But although Andrew's here talking about what he specifically is doing in the market, even if you are negotiating with the developer yourself on your own behalf, you can still use some of these tactics. You can still run it through the ROI spreadsheet, which you can download on our website, one of the many Facebook ads that's out there, you know, and run it through and be like, oh, it doesn't make sense as an investment. These kinds of things. There are ways to use these same tactics, even though Andrew's talking about negotiating on behalf of a whole heap of investors. Yeah, and as I say, there's going to be lots of good deals out there this year. Doesn't mean that every property is a good deal. So don't fall into the trap of just thinking, oh, it's off the plans and it seems not, not too bad from a gross yield perspective, you do want to dig into the details and certainly who the developer is a big part of that as well. You know, you want to make sure it's actually delivered. One thing I just want to mention before we wrap up is that next Tuesday, we are doing a first home buyers webinar. This is the first one of these we've done in several years. And so I just want to briefly mention for any first home buyers out there, if you want to come along next Tuesday at 7pm, this is specifically for first home buyers, this is going to be a bit of a different format from one of our usual property investment webinars. But if you do want to buy your first home this year, then come along because we're going to go through the basics. We're going to go through how much deposit you need, how much income you need, all of that good stuff. If you want to come along, links down in the show notes. Tap or swipe over the cover art. There'll be a link in there. If you know any first home buyers, please feel free to flick the link onto them because we're going to have a lot of fun at this, help people buy some of their first homes. So, or you can just find that at opuspartners.co.nz. Remember that's on next Tuesday, the 1st of March at 7pm. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most of the property market. Until next time, 